This is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update Podcast. This is part of an ongoing series featuring critical insights from the physicians and healthcare professionals on the front lines of the pandemic. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update video and podcast. Today, we have our weekly look at the numbers, trends, and latest news about COVID-19 with the AMA's Director of Science, Medicine, and Public Health, Andrea Garcia in Chicago. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer, also in Chicago. Welcome back, Andrea. Thanks. Good to be here, as always. I think you probably have your hands full because uh, the CDC just announced this past week uh, brand new guidance. Let's get into that. What, uh, for starters, drove this change? Yeah, so according to the CDC, we're in a stronger place. Uh, We have more tools, we have vaccines, we have treatments to protect uh, protect ourselves from severe outcomes from COVID-19. Obviously, we talk about the COVID numbers every week. Uh, We know the virus is still very much circulating both here and globally. Uh, But overall, we're seeing fewer hospitalizations and deaths compared to earlier in the pandemic. And Given this, the CDC has indicated that they've streamlined the guidance. They're focusing on helping people better understand their risk on how to protect themselves and others. Um, And this includes what actions to take if you're exposed to COVID and what to do if you're sick or test positive. Uh, These new recommendations are really intended to help prevent severe disease. And they also acknowledge that while the pandemic is not over, this helps us move to a point where it is uh, no longer severely disrupting our daily lives. I will say that uh, questions do remain uh, as to how we are protecting persons at high risk for severe illness. Um, And if there is a winter surge, is there going to be a willingness to put some of these public health measures back in place? Well, let's dig in specifically to the changes. What's what's most, uh, what changed the most? So the two biggest changes under the guidance are that people who are exposed to the virus no longer need to quarantine. And that is true regardless of their vaccination status, although they should wear a high quality mask for 10 days and get tested on day five. The other big thing here is that routine surveillance and testing of people without symptoms is no longer recommended in most settings. And are many of the other guidelines uh, that we had still in place or uh, are those also changing? Yeah, so most of them are. So for example, people who test positive for the virus should still isolate at home for at least five days, wear your mask through day 10. People are still encouraged to pay attention to their COVID community level for their jurisdiction. Those recommendations still include wearing a mask indoors when the COVID community level is high. And the CDC, of course, is also continuing to promote the importance of being up to date with vaccination to protect people against severe outcomes. We know that that protection provided uh, by the current vaccines against symptomatic infection and transmission is less than it is against severe disease, and that that protection diminishes over time, especially as we see these emerging variants. And that is why it's important to stay up to date and why uh, if there's a new vaccine that becomes available and you're eligible, it's important to get it. Well, there's still some confusion around uh, the day five rule, so to speak, about uh, you know when people have tested positive for COVID-19, when's it okay to isolate or end isolation? Um, yeah, can you so, clarify that? Of course. To be clear, the guidance recommends that if you test positive, you should stay home at least five days. And the thinking behind this from the CDC is that 
you're most infectious during those first five days. The CDC guidance notes that if at uh, five days you are fever-free for 24 hours without the use of medication and your symptoms are improving or you never had symptoms, you can end isolation. But we know based on the data that people can be infectious beyond day five. Some experts have called for a negative test before isolation. The updated guidance from CDC did not recommend a test to end isolation. Uh, they did go on to say if you have moderate or severe illness, you have a weakened immune system, um, that you should isolate through day 10. If you have confusion when to end isolation, check with your physician. That's always a good idea. Um, and when ending isolation, you should wear a high quality mask or avoid being around people who are more likely to get very sick from COVID, those who are older, those who are immunocompromised, and that is until at least day 11. And they also provided some guidance on the quote rebound cases, which uh, you know happen with and without uh, uh, treatments like Paxlovid. What's the guidance in those situations? If you experience new symptoms or your symptoms worsen after you've ended isolation, you should restart isolation at day zero and talk to your healthcare provider. Medicine doesn't stand still, and at the AMA, neither do we. AMA members are physicians like you who are shaping the future of medicine. Become a member today and join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org slash movingmedicine. There we go. On the heels of this announcement, the CDC uh, followed with new school guidance as well, which is pretty important, uh, given that we're just on the brink of kids going back to school here. What do we need to know there? The updated school guidance is part of this effort by CDC to simplify and streamline their existing guidance. Uh, the updates to bring school, school guidance in line with their overall guidance, and they're really designed to help K through 12 schools and early childhood programs remain open um, and support in-person learning. The updated guidelines remove prior recommendations for cohorting, for quarantine, and for test-to-stay procedures. And they limit recommendations for screening testing to those high-risk situations when the COVID community level is high or in response to an outbreak. Uh, the agencies also added detailed information on when, when to wear a mask, uh, how to manage cases and exposures, and how to respond to outbreaks. That's good. I think that'll certainly help in planning for the fall. But uh, another way that we're planning for the fall is with uh, variant-specific vaccines. What's uh, up there in terms of development and rollout of those? It was reported this past week that the Pfizer-BioNTech trial uh, will begin for its updated mRNA vaccine, and that, of course, is the bivalent uh, vaccine that also includes the BA4, BA5, the variants that's starting later this month. Uh, the trial announcement was included in BioNTech's financial results for uh, the second quarter of 2022, and the company is uh, saying that they'll be able to roll out these updated shots by October. That's in time for fall boosters, and that, of course, is pending uh, regulatory approval from FDA and a recommendation for use by CDC. Uh, we know that uh, the BA1 Omicron-focused uh, vaccine was shown to produce higher neutralizing antibodies against the variants, and um, those, those um, data have been submitted to regula regulators uh, for review. 
Excellent. And uh, this news comes during Immunization Awareness Month. What's the CDC want physicians to know about this month in particular and to communicate to, to patients out there? So National Immunization Awareness Month is an annual observance. It's held in August and it highlights the importance of vaccination for people of all ages. It's that opportunity to highlight the efforts of public health and healthcare professionals uh, to protect individuals of all ages against vaccine preventable diseases um, through on-time vaccination. And it really serves as that important reminder to catch patients up to date during their routine visits uh, and on vaccinations. And to um, we know those have been disrupted through the pandemic. So uh, this is this is really important this year. And for those patients who are eligible for COVID vaccinations, physicians we know play a critical role in helping patients understand the importance of vaccination and that COVID vaccines are safe and effective. And that's so important. And we know from our conversation with LJ Tan last week, we're really behind on those routine immunizations and some of the impact of that is starting to be seen, seeing polio pop up in wastewater in New York. Uh, time to get back there and make sure uh, everyone is up to date on their vaccinations. Uh, speaking of vaccine related news, there's been an update on what we talked about last time concerning stretching doses for the monkeypox vaccine. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so we talked last week about how FDA was looking at stretching the doses we have of the Janeos vaccine by allowing intradermal injection. And that approach, uh, one fifth of the current dose could be used to protect against the virus. We talked about how a public health emergency declaration is not enough to give FDA authority to issue that EUA. We really needed to see the HHS secretary issue a determination under Section 564 of the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, indicating that those circumstances justify uh, emergency use authorization. So shortly after we filmed last week, Secretary Becerra made that determination, and then we saw mm -hmm. FDA authorize a plan to use this approach, citing research that the reduced amount of the vaccine is just about as effective. And the EUA importantly also allows the use of the vaccine in individuals younger than 18 years of age who are at high risk for monkeypox infection. Um, in those individuals, Janeos is administered by subcutaneous uh, injection. So um, good news. And according to the CD, uh, CNN, uh, this move could increase the number of vaccine doses in the national stockpile from 441,000 over 2.2 million. Um, I think the one thing that physicians have been asking that needs to be clear is that 564 determination only applied to the Janeos vaccine. It was not for antivirals such as TPOC. Very important. That's kind of a 5X uh, reach improvement there, uh, really needed. Uh, Andrea, we'll continue uh, to uh, talk to you and track uh, information about everything we're facing and make sure that physicians continue to be informed. Uh, that's it for today's episode. We'll be back soon with another COVID-19 update video and podcast. You can find uh, resources on COVID-19 and monkeypox on the AMA site. Check that out. Thanks for joining us. Please take care. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.